reading renal uh, verses in chapter 4, and maybe an a, a area of the chapter you may have um, missed before or just read through quickly. You know, we get to genealogies and lists of people's names um, that aren't mentioned too often in the Bible. It's easy to just read through them quickly, but there's a lot to be gleaned, especially in this passage here we're going to look at. Colossians 4, verses 7 says, Paul is speaking of some of his uh, co-workers and, and friends that he's had. Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I am sending t- him to you for this very purpose, that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, they will make known to you all the things which are happening here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. They have proven to be a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you and those who are in Laodicea and those in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and Nymphus in the church that is in his house. Now when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read in the church of the Laodiceans that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. The salutation by my own hand, Paul. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for our opportunity to study your word this morning. And I pray that you would help us to glean truths of uh, how faithful friendship encourages one another and how that we can um, uh, support one another in our, our love of you, our love of others, and unity of the church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen recently read two different articles um, about hikers who made incredible journeys. Uh, the first one was from a, a woman back in 1955. This woman's name is Emma Gatewood. And she broke every record, if you were ever to read a guidebook on, hike, uh, uh, guidebook on hiking, she broke every rule, I'm sorry, rule, uh, if you were to read about uh, some of the maybe guidelines of hiking, what you do, what you don't do. Um, first of all, uh, she only told one person where she was going. Uh, she traveled alone, uh, didn't take a map or hiking boots, uh, and she hiked the total of 2,055 miles of the Appalachian Trail. So it starts down in Georgia, ends up in Maine. If you've ever uh, been on any of that trail or seen it or uh, referred to it, she was the first woman to do this. Oh, and she was 67 years old when she did this. Um, she was the at, at that time, there were only um, uh, five men who had hiked the trail, and uh, so it was a bit of a, a uh, something that was pretty different. She read an article in National Geographic. Um, in this article, the, the quote was, "There's a, a million wonderful things to see, and a million wonderful or, I'm sorry, a million wonderful things to see, and a million spectacular ways to die." Uh, <laughs> and described the deadly blizzards and the feral boars and the rattlesnakes and the, all the different perils, and even the, the creepy backcountry outlaws. Uh, so she was a mother in 11 of 11, grandmother of 23, and um, she told her kids, um, I'm going out walking. And then she flew to Georgia and uh, decided hiking the trail. Um, so 
in preparation for this hike, she had begun uh, doing um, uh, little mile-long mile hikes in her neighborhood, and eventually she made it up to 10 miles, and she started learning about some of the, um, the, the plant life and how to avoid animals and maybe possibly avoiding the, the creepy backcountry outlaws. Um, so as she started this uh, hike that she made, um, she was, 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 took a different approach. She had the, um, the lady shoes kids, uh, kind of more of a mall walking shoe perhaps. Um, and she didn't have a tent. Uh, she didn't have a sleeping bag. She had a, a shower curtain for a, a, little, a little canopy to, to help protect her. Um, and uh, she was able to complete her, her, her trek. Um, although she hiked alone, I, I think the secret of her success, according to this article I read, was uh, that the help that she got along the way. She hiked alone, but she got help along the way. And if you've ever been on the Appalachian Trail, you know that you pass through tiny little towns and you occasionally pass through little farmhouses and areas. And so... Um, as she uh, would pass by a house, um, perhaps people would offer her a couch and a, or a bed, and she would say, it's too heavy. I'm just joking. She, uh, they, she would accept uh, a, little, a, a time to get some uh, food and refreshment and uh, to be able to sleep at a house overnight. Um, and uh, with, uh, with, and she, she began referring to these people that would help her out as the trail magic uh, and the, these people that would offer her um, a little bit of encouragement and word got out that, that uh, Grandma Gatewood was hiking the Appalachian Trail. And reporters started chasing, trying, trying to chase her down. And eventually one of the reporters contacted her, her, her children. And her children uh, learned for the first time that their grandma was hiking the, uh, or their mother was hiking the Appalachian Trail. Um, so by the time she finished, uh, she had uh, hiked, been hiking the trails 146 days um, across 14 states uh, and made it um, by herself alone, but with the help of so many people along the way. And as you think about the story, you see a lot about her, her courage and her, her stamina and her uh, kind of her, her backwards ingenuity that she came up with. Um, but you, you can see that this, her success came from the, the help and the support of other people around her, uh, generous people, people, unnamed people, um, but the ones that, that offered her um, brief lodging and food along her amazing journey. So as we, as we read this last chapter of this portion of, of uh, Colossians chapter 4, we get the same sense here that Paul is, has been uh, writing to this church in, in Colossae. Uh, he uh, has, is, has, told, has, has offered a lot of encouragement. He's offered a lot of um, doctrine and uh, help for this church. But as we see this, we, we get the, the idea here that that, that, that Paul had a lot of help that, that would gave him encouragement. So you think, you think of him, we, we, we picture him as a, a, a courageous uh, church planter and a um, wonderful writer of epistles, and he, he went from persecutor to, to persecuted. Uh, he um, discipled many people. But how did, he do, how did he do what he did? And, of course, he had Paul's grace. He had men like uh, um, Silas and uh, Barnabas and Timothy and others uh, who were his uh, close um, uh, partners in the spread of the gospel. But I want to propose to you this morning that he also had the invaluable partnership of men and women throughout the scripture. We see a few names of these, many of them that are unnamed uh, or, or mentioned once or twice. 
um, only a, hand time, a handful of times in Scripture. Um, and, and I think the case can be made that these uh, men, especially these uh, men that we see here in, in Colossians chapter 4, they not only helped Paul, but I, or they only, not only assisted him, helping him, but I think that they were able to give back to Paul, not only just encouraging him, but really helping him learn more about faithfulness and humility and even overcoming failure in gospel growth. And we're going to see that here as we look through these um, different eight men right here. Uh, the first one uh, starts out in verse 7, Tychicus. So how many of you heard of Tychicus before? Not, yeah, you may have heard of him once or twice. You've read it before. Maybe I mentioned him before as well. Um, Tychicus uh, is a, a man that you can see here that was described as someone that had a, a servant's heart. Paul describes him saying this, Tychicus, my beloved brother, fellow minister, and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the good news about me. Um, he's mentioned uh, four other times in Scripture. Uh, Paul encountered him at some, time, at some point in his ministry in Ephesus, and he traveled with with uh, Paul on, the, on one of his last journeys across Greece and, and uh, back to Jerusalem. Uh, and uh, he was a man that was, was a, a faithful servant that came alongside of Paul. Um, later in Scripture, when you read the book of uh, Titus, um, uh, Paul, it, Paul is asking Titus to come, uh, come visit with him. And he says, I'm going to send one of two men. I'm going to send um, either... Um, get the other man's name, another man, or I'm going to send Tychicus to help you uh, to be able to really fill the pulpit, to be able to keep your church going while you come and visit me, because travel was not a, a quick and easy thing. Uh, and so we see that this man who began as a messenger, Tychicus began as Paul's messenger, traveled with Paul, did just a lot of whatever Paul needed to do, and went from being a messenger to being able to deliver the message of the gospel. Tychicus went from being um, someone who uh, was a disciple, someone who was learning from Paul, who was perhaps doing some of the, the menial tasks and just doing just the day-to-day -day walking with Paul, to being someone who was able to teach and preach the Word. Uh, later on, uh, Paul, um, when, when asking Timothy to come, he said, I'm sending you Tychicus to, to help out in your ministry while you're gone. So he had proven himself faithful. He had walked... I mean, you think of the, the distance that he had traveled uh, before with, with uh, Paul. And now he, he goes on to say in verse 8, I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. So again, this is in Rome. Paul is in prison. Uh, Tychicus had, had stayed with Paul, likely all the way through Paul's imprisonment and possibly through his, all the way through his journey um, across, uh, across much of uh, Europe over to to Italy, and then at this time when, when Paul was a prisoner, was, was still with Paul. Uh, and, so, and so Paul had said to the Colossian believers, I'm going to send this man back to you uh, and uh, with, with this uh, letter I'm writing you. And um, uh, he also sent the, the letter to the Ephesian church and the letter to Philemon. So you think the, about the trust that, had, that Paul had in Tychicus. Uh, not only to entrust him to be able to um, preached the word eventually, but he also entrusted him to be able to take the, the, the very message and the, 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 the word that God had given him through the Holy Spirit uh, to these different churches. Uh, and traveling all the way down through Rome and then across uh, Greece and over across, another, across the Aegean Sea and another 100-mile trek to around the, where the Colossian church was located, uh, he would have had to 
um, go through all these uh, areas taking the gospel. So you, so you think of um, the, the lady I mentioned in the, in the introduction, hiking a lot, uh, enduring all the hardships of traveling and hiking, that Tychicus would have had to do the same, uh, watching out for even uh, outlaws and other difficulties that were there. So Tychicus was described here by Paul as being a beloved brother, a faithful minister, a fellow servant of God. And you think of this, he was, he was Paul's servant. He was a, uh, the word uh, you could think of there is, is the diakonos, but he was also the, what, what your uh, translation, translation might say is the bondservant or the, the, the slave of Jesus Christ. And Paul uses that in a couple other instances when he uh, speaks of himself and sleeps, speaks of some of these other men here, that they were bond slaves of Jesus Christ. They, they served the needs of other people. They were faithful uh, followers of God uh, in, in what God wanted them to do. So we see that Tychicus was a man who was uh, faithful uh, to the Apostle Paul. Um, and, and Paul had the confidence in him to, to send him as his emissary, to send him as his messenger back to the Colossian church, um, saying, I'm... Uh, I am, I'm sending him this faithful servant of the Lord who will tell you all the news about me, sending him that this very purpose that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. And so I see here that, that Tychicus here is a man who knew adversity. He had traveled with Paul, and because he had seen adversity, he was able to better um, minister to other people. We know that adversity often gives us an audience that prosperity and peace don't give us. So we, we learn more through difficult times. And Tychicus was someone who had learned that firsthand experience from, from ministering with Apostle Paul and able to minister to the Colossian church. He was faithful in that way. Uh, the next man that was mentioned here is mentioned in verse 9. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one, who is one of you, they will make known to you all the things which are happening here. Uh, so the next man is Onesimus, and if you're uh, familiar with the book of Philemon, you know that he was one of the main characters there in the, the small book of Philemon, that again, Paul is sending um, with Tychicus here, includes the, the backstory of Onesimus. And Onesimus was a runaway slave from his master, Philemon, uh, and he ended up in, in the city of Rome, and um, through uh, divine intervention, through through. Um, divine providence um, came across the Apostle Paul, and Paul was able to lead him to the Lord. And the, the book of Philemon is an encouragement to those who, who are praying for someone who wanted to see some change in somebody, and someone who, for, to, to see a change of life because of the gospel. And, and Onesimus was one of these people that the gospel immediately changed him. And as Paul has, as, is sending him back, or is sending uh, word back with Tychicus, he's saying, I appreciate the faithfulness of my beloved brother who is one of you. And so he describes, and of course, Onesimus was one of the uh, members of the church in, in Colossae. Um, the next phrase, it says, they will make known to all the things what is happening here. So what is that saying? They. So he's including Tychicus and Onesimus in this um, description or as, as, of them as being the emissaries, as coming back from Paul, uh, back to the Colossian church, as being men who can uh, encourage the hearts of others. 
Tychicus being someone who had been faithful with Paul probably for about four years at this point. Onesimus, who was a new believer, a new brother in Christ, and coming back to a church that he had left in a little bit of disgrace, uh, left his master, uh, left uh, perhaps uh, stole some of his, his master's goods when he left. And Paul is sending him back saying he is a faithful and beloved brother. Uh, so we see that, that, that God delights in using us, and he delights in using us even if we have sinful pasts. He, he delights in using us to, to, to showcase his grace and his love uh, in the, the way that he overcomes our past, our sin in our past, and that, that we are able to be restored. Uh, so uh, God's grace is, is, is magnified in the life of Onesimus here as he's, he's sitting back. Uh, the next one that is kind of a grouping of three men here, uh, verse 10 says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. Because I'm going to say, with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. They have proved to be a comfort to me. All right, so what do these three men have in common that it says here? It says that they are uh, the, the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are, who are of the circumcision. So in other words, they were, they were Jewish believers. And at this point in Paul's ministry, these are the only Jewish believers that have continued with Paul, uh, that have continued ministering with him. And as he describes the faithfulness of those around him, these three men stick out in his mind as being faithful to God. Aristarchus is the first one mentioned here. Um, uh, His um, name uh, literally means one caught with a spear. Uh, and it's, it's kind of interesting here. He is, he is described as Paul's fellow prisoner. So his, his name means caught with a spear, and he's a fellow prisoner. So, so likely he was actually not arrested, but he chose to live the life of a prisoner with Paul. In other words, when Paul was under house arrest and when he was, had been arrested previously, uh, Aristarchus chose to remain with Paul. I think how, how difficult would that be to remain with somebody who is a convicted felon, uh, according to the, the, the laws that have gone on here, um, unjustly um, imprisoned for, for his stand for, the, for, for stand for the faith. And Aristarchus was able, chose to, to take this life, chose to um, put up with the dangers, the hardships, and even the the criticisms of, of staying next to somebody who had been imprisoned for the gospel. This was who Aristarchus was. And you think, um, it, it seems almost shocking here that it says that these are the only Jewish believers who had remained with Paul. But if you, if you look through the, as we've studied back in Acts um, a few uh, weeks ago, a few months ago, you see the, the pattern that so many Jews that Paul brought the gospel to rejected Christ, uh, rejected Paul's message. And not just that, they, not only that, they, they persecuted him, chased him out of town, incited riots, uh, caused him all kinds of problems. And so for Aristarchus and these other two men to be both Jewish in heritage and to be a believer uh, in their, their faith and trust in Christ is remarkable. 
in their stand for, for, for God and their willingness to stand up for it with Paul. Uh, it says, um, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. So just a few words mentioned about Aristarchus. Uh, he goes on to mention, Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. So Mark is the second uh, Jewish believer that Paul mentions here. And again, if you, from back in our study of uh, the book of Acts, remember that, that Mark uh, was, was um, Barnabas' nephew. He was, um, or the cousin of Barnabas, I'm sorry. And uh, he had accompanied uh, Paul and Barnabas on a missionary journey. And when the going got tough, as they were going through some the mountainous areas of Pergos and some of the, the difficult areas of Asia Minor, he went back home. Uh, and you think, well, maybe that's uh, understandable. He was young. It was a difficult, part, difficult journey. One of the first times that churches sent out a, a missionary to take the gospel to uncharted areas uh, that have never received the gospel. Um, but this had deeply offended Paul for, for Mark to leave him. And you're familiar with the story. This because of this, because of Mark's um, unfaithfulness, or because of his his youth and his immaturity and his deciding that things were too tough. This ultimately caused the the breakup of the ministry of Paul and Barnabas as they ministered together. And so this had 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 some lasting um, issues. Uh, had had affected Paul's ministry. Uh, it affected Barnabas's ministry. Um, but as you know the story, Barnabas didn't give up on Mark. He said, I want to take him with me. And then later on, you reread uh, in, in the book of Peter that, that Peter uh, mentions him. He calls him my son. So likely at some point, uh, the apostle Peter also was, was involved in the restoration of, of Mark, uh, giving him an opportunity to once again um, prove his faithfulness, show his love for God. And at, so at this point... Of, of Paul's ministry, he's able to say, um, welcome, Mark. I know there may have been issues in the past, but he is a faithful co-worker. He is one of the few Jewish believers who have, um, who have uh, stood up for Christ in, in, in these ministries of, of church planning and, and spreading the gospel. In fact, in Paul's last uh, letter, as he writes to Timothy, he said, Bring Mark with you, for he is useful to ministry. And isn't that exciting to see that a man who had a, a, a past where he was a little bit disruptive and he caused a rift between believers and uh, Paul had given up with him at, at some point, that God was able to change his heart, that God used the, the ministry of Barnabas and Peter to help restore Mark to being useful. And it's such a, a great thing to remember that, that God desires to restore us. God desires to help us be restored to usefulness when, when we stray from Him, when we are unfaithful, when we falter at times, when our faith falters. Um, Mark was, was Paul's friend, the man that had a second chance. That man became faithful. And Paul tells the Colossian believers, he says, welcome him. Don't shun him because of his previous failures. Uh, receive the instructions um, that I've given him. He, he's bringing in a message to you. I'm hoping he's going to come to you. 
Um, so welcome him. Receive what he has to say. He's useful. Uh, and the last man that was mentioned in this uh, group of, of three uh, Jewish believers uh, is a man uh, named Jesus who is called Justice. He had a surname of, ju- of uh, Justice. Um, so the, the, the Hebrew word Jesus is, comes from Joshua, um, uh, and, and then Justice is a uh, Greek name that, that meant righteousness. Uh, and so you, you see a man who had a, a strong uh, commitment. He's the only time he's men- mentioned in the Bible. Um, perhaps he was one of the um, Roman Jews who had received Paul's message in Acts 28. Um, and, but he was uh, mentioned here just briefly as being one of the men that were faithful uh, in uh, just e- even with his uh, Jewish heritage faithful in uh, sharing the gospel, faithful in ministering with Paul. I proved to be an encouragement. All right, the last couple men here uh, um, uh, are in verses 12 through 15. Uh, next one is Epaphras. Uh, Epaphras, and he mentions to him, about him, he says, Epaphras is one of you. Uh, who is one of you? And so this is a little bit of, of uh, Paul uh, tongue-in-cheek here. But uh, Epaphras was, uh, was the was likely the pastor. He was the church planner of the church in Colossae and likely still the pastor there. Uh, so he's saying, Epaphras is one of you. Uh, so yeah, we know he's our pastor. <laughs> um, and, and Paul goes on to describe to him, he's a bondservant of Christ. He greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Uh, so we know that that. Um, Epaphras had a concern about um, a heresy that was going on in the, in the church in Colossae in the surrounding area. I uh, was not uh, totally sure what the exact uh, heresy was, but it likely had um, elements of some of the uh, Judaistic legalism and perhaps some of the Greek philosophy, the paganism of the day. Uh, and so Epaphras desiring that his, uh, his congregation become rooted and grounded in the Word of God, become mature in the faith, uh, traveled to see Paul uh, and to find uh, a way to combat the heresy, find a way to see what, how Paul would address these uh, concerns he had about the believers who were in this area of Colossae. Uh, he says, Epaphras was one of you. Again, he's described as a bondservant of Christ, someone who is committed to serving Christ as, as committed as a slave would be. So he greets you, always laboring fervently for you in, in your prayers. And the, and the word, the Greek word there is agonizomai. It describes um, someone who is, is laboring to the point of exhaustion. And normally we, we think of that as maybe physical labor. But in this, in this particular case, Paul is saying here that, that uh, Paphras had such a desire to see his church emerge strong and strengthened and mature in the faith, that, that his prayers were described as labors, as, as, as um, agonizing, as striving, as contending. Uh, and and we, as we look back in, the, the, in, the, in Ephesians chapter 4, um, we see the reason uh, why God gifted the, the church with with pastors and teach pastor the pastor teacher model uh, he says this and he himself gave some to be apostles some prophets some evangelists and some pastors and teachers 
for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith in the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children. And I think this applies really directly here to the situation that Epaphras found himself in, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. So we see here that, that Paul describes to the Ephesian church, but perhaps this the same Ephesian letter was, was meant as a circular letter and it came to the Colossian church as well, that the... A, the, the duties and responsibility of the pastor is to help his congregation, to shepherd them that, so that they are no longer um, like children who are directed to and fro by the wind, who are tossed back and forth, who are not able to discern um, when error comes in instead of truth and when true, error gets mixed in with truth. And to be able to say that, that, that philosophy that is creeping in our church is not a godly, a biblical thought. This is not the way God wants us. And it, it, that, that passage goes on to talk about how that the, the church should be equipped, um, able to serve, able to be mature and presented perfect uh, in, in front of God, before God. So um, uh, Epaphras had that, the desire of a pastor to see his people uh, be equipped, uh, mature believers who reject um, the, the errors and heresy that were, were going on during the day that are able to uh, discern truth. Um, and as I read through this, I just I am um, reminded that, that our, our prayers are, uh, are so necessary. In our, in our desire for, for ourselves to be mature in the faith, our, our desire to help one another. In the beginning of chapter 4, it says, uh, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. And prayer is such a vital part of the ministry, not only for uh, pastors and church leadership, but for each one of us as individuals, that we are able to be strong and rooted in the doctrine and faith, that we're able to uh, withstand those who may be misleading. Uh, so Epaphras was a man who had this single passion to, uh, to help others become mature in the faith. All right, the next man that, that's mentioned here uh, is probably the most well-known uh, of, of all the men here. Um, uh, mentioned in verse 14, Luke, the beloved physician. So just uh, four words here. Describing Luke, um, Luke is only mentioned by name uh, only a couple of the times uh, by Paul uh, later on, but he says, Luke, the beloved physician. So he, um, just right away, it describes um, his dependence and his um, encouragement that he found not only physically from Luke, who was a doctor, but also spiritually, who uh, uh, was able to minister the needs of Paul. Um, so uh, he... Um, traveled often with Paul, and you'll see that sometimes as you read through the book of Acts, and as we've noted before, when you see the, uh, the as you see it's written in, when, when Luke writes, we, referring to him, it refers to both him and Paul traveling, or he's, he is with the group again, so sometimes Luke describes Paul's journeys as talking about Paul, and sometimes he says we, uh, so there's sometimes that, that Luke is traveling with him um, 
and I imagine he would be a, a vital part of the ministry, helping Paul, encouraging physically, spiritually, helping him to recover from some of the, the beatings and abuse and the, just the, the hardships of travel uh, that would present itself. Um, he was a man that was obviously well-educated as a doctor, cultured, um, had great... Uh, Greek literary um, abilities, uh, wrote a good, a, a fair portion of the New Testament um, in, his, in his writings. Um, in a lot of ways, he's, he's a man who has set an example for um, kind of some of the, the modern medical missions that we see that, that go, around, go on around us. And I'm reminded of, a, I was, as I was traveling to some churches raising support, I was introduced to a dentist who uh, he and his wife would take a portion of the year and travel to areas of the of the world that were and, and, and hand out free dentistry to people and also be able to share the gospel and so this is Luke in a lot of ways uh, set that example that prototype of medical missions um, offering uh, help physically as well as spiritually um, again just in his forward description of, of him um, Paul says, Luke, the beloved physician. It's like, that's all I need to say about him. He's a beloved physician. He's, he's someone that cares for, one, for each other. He, he's a man that loves other people, is, is concerned of the unity of the church, uh, serves me, serves the church. All right, and the last, um, last name that's mentioned here, it's, it says, in conjunction with Luke, uh, it says, and Demas, greet you. Uh, so he's, in his last, um, bringing up a name, he says, uh, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. And so this last, the last man here, you're, you're, you may be familiar, he's mentioned later on in 2 Timothy 4 as somebody who deserted Paul. And, is he, and, and I think it's interesting that it's included here in this list of, of men who are faithful. And at some point, Demas was faithful. He was somebody that served alongside of Paul. But later on in Timothy, he's described as somebody who deserted Paul because he loved this present world. And he's a man that is in this, as we kind of look at this maybe as a snapshot, if you were to picture this uh, portion of chapter 4 as, as a, a Paul taking a picture um, of, of his co-workers and, and pointing these out and saying, these are my faithful workers. So at this point, Demas over here in the right he was faithful. He was, he was a, a major part, part of my ministry. But unfortunately, um, at some point in the future, he had deserted Paul. Um, as, as, we, as we think through this, I was, one, one uh, commentator said this, Jesus had Judas, Paul had Demas. Uh, and desertion is not a reflection on the effectiveness of ministry. So um, we see that in the ministry of Christ, in the ministry of Paul, there were um, men, there were followers of Christ, followers of, of, of Paul, co-workers of Paul, that at some point said, I can't take this anymore. I, I, I really love my culture. I love the things around me more than I love my Savior. And it, and it is a warning to us that, that we all are weak. Um, Christ told his, his disciples, watch and pray. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We all have the ability to serve faithfulness. We have the, also the fallen nature in us that, that desires selfishness, that desires the things of the world. 
And it's a warning that we need to guard our hearts. We need to watch and pray. We need to have the, the striving prayers, the agonizing prayers of Epaphras to pray for our own faithfulness, to pray for one another, that we, we remain faithful and unified, that we um, are faithful to God. Uh, so uh, I, I mentioned at the beginning here that there were, I'd read um, a couple articles of different hikers uh, uh, several years ago, there was a, another hiker uh, that, that hiked Mount Everest, that recently hiked Mount Everest. And as you picture uh, Mount Everest, you, you think of uh, perhaps as the views that you would have up there and even the, like, the scary views of like avalanches or big uh, ice crevasses or um, difficult areas, even um, other climbers who didn't make it. And uh, this particular climber, Eric uh, Weinmayer, uh, didn't have a problem with uh, scary views because he was blind. Uh, he had been a hiker that, um, that had hiked up the, at Mount Denali, the, the highest peak in North America. He'd, hi- he'd actually uh, gotten married on um, Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa, the highest peak there, and then was convinced by a friend to, to attempt uh, to make the summit of Mount Everest. Uh, and so they were able to... Uh, get a team together, um, people that they could trust to, to, to help, and especially help guide him through there. And I found it interesting some of the things they did. The, his fellow climbers wore bells on them so he could, he could hear where they were. Um, they, um, as they hiked, they would call out terrain warnings that he wouldn't be able to see. Um, and so I, I can't decide whether it would be worse, whether to see a, a terrible uh, drop-off or to, to not know it's there. Um, so, but he was able to... Um, Make the summit with with his uh, with his uh, fellow climbers, and the, at, the, at the time when he uh, achieved the, the honor of making the, of hiking to the summit, he had 19 other uh, fellow climbers with him, which was more than anyone else had ever taken um, with to, to reach the summit. Uh, and so, as you as you think through how hard it was for him, as, as you think through the difficulties he. Um, had to overcome, you, we also realized that there were 19 other people that were there alongside of him to help him, to guide him, and even uh, to help him fall out as, recover from some of his falls. Um, and so it was a team of men that, that were able to achieve this. So as, as we look at this end of this book here in Colossians, it ends kind of the same way. The message to the Colossians um, that... Salvation is through Christ and through the, the, by grace through faith in Christ. It, it was written by uh, perhaps the most influential, influential church planning missionary, but a man who was supported by a team of individuals who faithfully lived the gospel and made it their mission in life to spread the gospel as well. And we see that we have the truth here that that gospel growth is accomplished best through the unity of believers who are dependent on the grace of God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the encouragement that we find uh, even at the end of Paul's, many of his epistles, where he mentions um, men and women who served faithfully with him in many different ways, while some offered their homes to have the church meet in, some traveled with them, some remained faithful while he was a prisoner. And we're challenged by the, the desire to be faithful to you. The, the, we're challenged 
as well to support one another in our attempt to spread the gospel, in our attempt to be a church that is known for discipleship. I pray that you would give us this desire. I pray that you'd help us to recognize the weaknesses that we have and to pray in an agonizing way for one another that we will remain faithful. I pray that we would be presented mature and strong and equipped before you. In Jesus' name, amen.